tonight on a very special episode of Saved by the Bell, we'll discuss peer pressure. <laughs> and we are just kidding. That's enough of that music. Nothing of the kind. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is the 34 Circe Salon, and I am Sean Marlon Newcomb. And I am Don Sam Alden. And we do have something special for you, but it is not a Saved by the Bell episode. It is a podcast takeover, as I'm told it's called now. That's what the kids are calling it these days. You know it. it. Yeah, yeah. We are very excited to to host a podcast takeover by our play cousins, um, Broads You Should Know. Broads You Should Know is this fantastic podcast that's run by Sarah Chloe and Jupiter. And um, they do, as you would guess, um, episodes about broads throughout history that you should know about. Um, If you want to learn more about their podcast, please go to broadsyoushouldknow.com or you can find them anywhere on the social media or social media um, on. looking under the handle of at broads you should know and we'll leave a nice link in the description too, yes so we will on that or copy it however it will work tonight's episode is about a lady and her sword and the lady's name is and uh, dawn you will help me with the pronunciation mm-hmm. julie d'albany is that it perfect perfect, oh, perfect. aka mademoiselle maupin la maupin La yes. Okay. yes, she was a just lover, she was, a fighter, a swordswoman, an opera singer. Tell us a little more. An adventurous, all of the above. Absolutely. Yeah. She had a she had a heck of a life. Um, it was not very long, but wow, it was full. Um, and uh Sarah is uh narrating the episode you're about to hear, and she did the research, and uh her story is just amazing so so without further ado without further ado enjoy this podcast episode from broads you should know she is invited as a guest to the royal ball and she shows up dressed to the nines as a man in like a scarlet tunic and she starts dancing with all the women And then she French kisses this woman in the middle of the dance floor in front of the entire royal family. (laughs) And these three noblemen are like, you got to start acting like a lady and you got to stop making out with chicks. (laughs) And Julie's like, should we take it outside? And so they go outside and she defeats all three men in consecutive duels. Uh. And then, while they're still like bleeding in the street, she comes back to the party. Well, hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women in history. I am Sarah Gorski. I'm Chloe Skye. And I'm Jupiter F. Stone. I'm still here. I'm not leaving. I'm just not leaving. We're so lucky to have Jupiter. I mean... I, I feel like I forget to say that every episode, but I'm really glad Jupiter's thank here. Thank you. I'm Me happy too. to be here. Jupiter, I'm happy I'm a fan. to be here. All right, cool. <laughs> Chloe, I feel like you're biased, but... That's fair. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> Sarah, you're biased too. Stop playing. 
<laughs> anyway, well, guys, I am so excited. My bra today, I'm going to say her. Okay, so this is, okay, full disclosure, I do not speak French, <laughs> but I feel like I do like a good, like, make fun of impression of French people. So that's kind of the version of French accent you're going to, pronunciation, I mean, you're going to hear today. So she she is French, and her name is Julie Daubigny La Maupin. Wow. Not bad, so right? So good. I'm, I'm eyes closed. I believe it. I believe it all the way home. <laughs> um, so I have found, okay, so I'm just going to call her La Maupin because that's what I think she's called in a bunch of the history books. Um, I first heard, saw her like fly across one of my news feeds or something like years ago. And I was like, wow, that broad is crazy. And then since we started this podcast, and like every time I'm talking to a friend and I start talking about the podcast, which happens all the time, thanks for my to my friends for being really patient with me. Um, I feel like I've had like five people say, oh, by the way, you should do this broad. And I was like, I know she's on my list. <laughs> <laughs> but I was trying to focus on black broads and other broads, you know. So here, I'm finally circling back. So we're going to do La Maupin today. And I can't even express to you enough that your seatbelts that you're buckling right now are not strong. <laughs> I am so excited. Bring it on. Julie is born. I'm, I'll just call her Julie, I guess. La, yeah, that sounds better than La Maupin. It sounds so too fancy. <laughs> Julie is born. So um, I'll, I should preempt the whole episode by saying the specific details about like dates and the order of things are kind of conflicting across all of the articles I found. So I'll try to just identify those moments when that happens. But there's not a specific, like they're not exactly sure when she was born, but they think it was around 1673. And she's the daughter of a man named Gaston Daubigny. He was like a horse master and a, and a great fencer. And he was the secretary to Louis de Lorenguis, Comte d'Armagnac, who was the master of horse for King Louis Fourteenth. There were so many King Louis. I know nothing about any of them because I'm, <laughs> I'm like clueless about French history. So her father was an amazing sword fighter, um, also, apparently, a bunch of the articles said he was, like, super a super drunk, like, a super alcoholic. And he was in charge of both the horses, so he was, like, the master horseman. And he also trained the court pages in Versailles. So at first, um, they lived in the writing school in, oh, I don't know how to say these, so many French words, <laughs> Tuileries Palace in Paris. And then eventually they were moved into the Palace of Versailles in 1682. They were technically still were like servants of the king, so they, so they, so Ju- so Julie was like brought up in this like the great stables, like is where her dad's quarters were and stuff like that. And none of these, none of the articles ever talked about her mother, any nothing about her. So I have nothing, <laughs> no information about the other parent. Wow. <laughs> but apparently her dad loved to drink and he loved to smoke and gamble and go out. And he also just believed in like raising his daughter the way that he lived his life. So he like brought her around and he taught her how to sword fight and he was like she needs to know these things and she also like because they were part of the royal court sort of he was able to bring her into all the education classes that the pages were going through that he was helping to train so she like kind of got to go to school and get like a decent education and she learned to sword fight and she loved all the all the rest of that shit and she loved dressing as a boy. She started dressing as a boy. <laughs> yes. Mm. 
So then, so she's being raised by this dude, this dude of all dudes, this super bro, whatever we want to call him. Guess, his name is Gaston, which cracks me up because all I can think of is Beauty and the Beast, of right? Definitely. It's the only Gaston, Gaston I know. <laughs> well, now you know too. <laughs> okay, so she is learning to sword fight, being like a total tomboy, whatever. And she's very good. She's like really good at sword fighting. She picks it up like that. She's amazing. And around age 14, she starts to boink her dad's boss. Wow. The Comte de yeah. They start having this like hot love affair and she becomes his mistress. She's 14. Oh. She's 14 years old. Okay. God. That's Ooh. alarming. That's but she's, alarming. But she's that a pit like. Rape. But nothing in the articles say that it was like. They act like it was consensual. There was nothing that made me feel as ill about it except that her age. But also it's it's France and I mean, isn't French like notoriously in the, in the fucking 1600s, weird. 1600s it was maybe less questionable but yeah i don't, I don't think it was very problematic <laughs> at the time right. besides like i think the biggest problem no. was, it by, was by like, modern, that's your dad's boss by modern standards <laughs> like we would say a 14 year old is incapable of giving consent but right but now. based on what i've read about like the later in her life i feel like julie al- always gave consent okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right she's not, she's not a victim um so but her dad was a little concerned about like mm, not well, a sort of great reputation it. to just be a mistress of a so they arrange to like protect her reputation supposedly the count the guy she's boinking arranges for her to get married to this guy named Sieur de Maupin so that becomes her name the rest you know La Maupin later um, but her new husband is like immediately sent away to Toulouse in southern France away from Paris they say some of the articles said he was sent away like the day after their wedding to like go be a tax collector in southern France. Sent away wow. by the count? Yeah, so he could keep pointing. Yeah, like assigned an administrative position in another part of the country so that Julie could stay and keep pointing him. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Uh, amazing. I'd love to think it was her idea. Probably. I hope probably. So. <laughs> I mean, you can judge for yourself at the end, I guess, okay. from everything else you're about to hear. But it probably, I, I don't, I do not think that anything was not without her wanting it to happen in her life for the most part. But um, anyway, Julie starts to get bored with the bo- count. She's like, mm, this, is, this is some boring shit. And so she runs off to Marseille with her, one of her fencing teachers, Serenade. Wow. <laughs> and they start performing uh, in front of the crowds there, like publicly, they do like fencing and singing at the same time. And Julie was like had a natural ability to sing, um, and she also was such a great sword fighter. And so apparently was Saran. So they were like just doing these like live shows where they were like singing and sword fighting. And wow. um, supposedly, <laughs> there's this like epic story that appears in every article about her. Supposedly, one time somebody in the crowd like yells out, "You're not really a woman. You're just like a." a dude that's dressing up sort of like a woman to pretend. And Julie's like, oh yeah? And she rips her blouse off and she shows her titties. Yeah! <laughs> and the audience, the yes! audience and the like, and the dude is like, uh. So what's up? Uh, so what's up? <laughs> and then she murders him with the sword, right? No? I'm, I'm wishful thinking. Not this guy. Oh! Not Oh, this guy. Okay, spoilers. Oh, and she told. Oh, and she says to the audience, "Judge for yourself." And she rips her blouse. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. I are you not really- entertained? Hell yeah, they are. I got more than I paid for. <laughs> no. Are you uh, not entertained? Oh, jeez. 
so uh, they're performing. And then, so here I will say this is one of the moments where this, this thing in her life in different articles is placed differently in the timeline. But it seemed more often to appear here in the timeline. So I'll, I'll talk about it here. So she falls in love with this beautiful young blonde woman. And her and apparently they were like not really secretive about their love for each other. And the girl's family freaks out because they're like, oh, we can't have a lesbian daughter. We can't have a lesbian daughter. We can't have a lesbian daughter. And so they send their daughter to a convent in Avignon. <gasps> no. That's heartbreaking. And Julie is like, you gotta do better than that. <laughs> so she so Julie goes to the convent. And she takes her vows. <gasps> and she enters the convent with her lover. <laughs> so they're like fucking, they're nuns fucking. Yes. They're that nuns. Is but they're also like, this is not, we can't be here like forever. And so they start plotting like, how do we get the fuck out of here? How do we get, get wow, out of here? This is great. And so, so one night, Pretty soon after, or, or, I guess like one of the elderly nuns dies of natural of natural causes, supposedly. No uh-huh. article said that okay. Julie killed. So an elderly nun dies. And so Julie and her lover, I'm not sure how much was Julie versus how much. I feel like most of it probably was Julie. <laughs> but they like take the body. They either dig it up or they take it out of wherever it was. Articles were kind of mixed on it. And they put it in the lover's room and they light the room on fire. And they run and they escape and they run away. <gasps> Okay. And they live together, like, hidden for, like, three months. <gasps> like, nobody, like, they, they, they get away with it for, like, three months. Do people think they're dead? And I, I, I think that, like, the reason they put the b- body there was so that they would think it was the, the girls, and they would think that she died, and they wouldn't look for her or whatever. Mm. But eventually, they do find, they do find the couple. And, Ju- and Ju- they take the, the love, the, her family, the family of the, the lover are like, they like take her back. They're like, they like bring her back home. Um, and Julie is sentenced to death in absentia by the parliament in, Pro- in Provence. Um, for, for what? Being gay? For what? what the heck? It is a little unclear. <laughs> and the I judges, and, and like, apparently also they like sentenced her to death under the name Sieur de Maupin because... They didn't like want everyone to know that a woman had done these crimes. They were like, a woman can't do things like this. A woman couldn't plot and t- steal a body and burn a convent down. <laughs> so, so like obviously people were having trouble like understanding that Julie was such a, like <laughs> that she just behaved so brashly and so unwomanly. It was like difficult for people to to like wrap their heads around. Wow. Um. So so she sent us to death, and she's tried as a man. And it also possibly was to spare the family shame the, of the the other woman mm. because that because les because being a lesbian was like not okay real quite fully yet. Eventually it is. Eventually France embraces it, but not in this time period. So she goes. So but Julie, she sent us to death, but she like I don't understand how she isn't put to death right away. But she is like tromping around the countryside, like on the run, right? She's like on the lam. Um, I don't know that she was ever in necessarily in prison, but she was still somehow tried. I'm assuming they just had a trial without her, and they were like, she's going to die as soon as we find her. Um, <laughs> Makes sense to me. But, sounds, but the sources weird. weren't clear. Sources were not clear about it, so I'll just say that, listeners. So, um, 
So she is tromping around the countryside and she's like full on wearing dude's clothes now. She's like, fuck it. I'm just going to be just fucking be a dude now. Like it's easier this way. People obviously can't accept that a woman is so good at sword fighting. And one day in the countryside, she literally bumps into this young nobleman called Comte d'Albert. It looks like um, D'Albert, but I'm pretty sure it's Comte d'Albert. <laughs> and he challenges her to a duel because he doesn't realize that she's a chick. He's like, you bump into me, you're going to fucking fight me. Wow. That makes sense. And she beats his ass at that sword play and she wounds him like, really bad. But then she's like, but here, come here. Let me help you. Like, let's nurse you back to health. You seem like a good dude. And they become lovers for at least a short time. <laughs> Naturally. Uh, at, at least for a short time. And in some of the articles, he's called like the great romance of her life. But they don't, their romance doesn't last very long, but they end up parting ways, like they're still friends. They don't like end things badly. They're still like really great friends. They just aren't lovers anymore. Um, and again, like all these details are like not... So, so much of this is like kind of legend. It's hard to tell the exacts, but all the, all the sources said that Delbert turned out to be like, they, they were friends the rest of their lives, which I love. Yeah. I love when best friends find each other. That's how it should be. Um, so she starts taking singing lessons from a retired teacher named Marachal, I think. Marachal? I don't know. French. Um, and she pairs up with a new lover um, named Gabriel Vincent Tevenard. They start to tour around uh, singing, and then they they end up back in Paris. But at this point, she still has a warrant on her head, right? So she, because of the shit that she did yeah. in Provence. How long has it been? Do you know how long it's been? So this is about like- 1690, and she's about 17 years old when she gets back to France. Whoa. Wait, um, what? When she gets back? When she gets back to Paris, I mean. So at 14, she starts boinking the boss, and then she goes and tours around the country, fucks the nun, does all that shit. So she's still, she's like only 17. Holy shit. Right now I assumed this was like, she's 30, 30 at this time. Right. <laughs> she's wow. 17 now? Whoa. She's literally 17. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm so glad I asked for clarification. Wow. Holy shit. Alright. There's definitely a different vibe about a teenage girl going around doing all this Living shit. Living a life. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm gonna yeah. burn down a convent. Burn down the convent. And then they're gonna send it to her to... De- I'm sorry. And they're gonna try her as a man? Unacceptable. When she's a 16-year-old girl? But then... The- they already... They already... They couldn't handle it. They can't handle cross-dressing. They can't handle... Clearly lesbians. not. She wasn't really... Actually, she was, she was bisexual because she loved both. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. And so at this wow. point, though, she still has a death warrant out on her head. So she's like, what can I do? What can I do? Oh, wait. My old lover, <laughs> the con, the con, the con, <laughs> the 14-year-old fuck. Right. Yeah, that guy. The not pedophile. <laughs> she's like, oh, he has sway in King Louis' court. I'm going to go over to him. So she goes over to him and she's like, listen, man, you got to get this fucking death warrant off my head. You got some sway. Can you please talk to Louis the Fourteenth and can you figure this out for me? So while she's going back to the comte to get all this shit requested, um, her lover, Tevenard, auditions for the Paris Opera. And he apparently was hired immediately. But his one condition upon getting hired was that they also allow Julie to audition. So the opera's like, fine, whatever. And so at 17, she auditions 
And she is hired for the Paris Opera, and she becomes an opera superstar. Holy shit. Whoa. All right. Um, she's, she's also pardoned. The, the thing works with the comp, and Louis is like, that's kind of funny. Okay, I'm going to... All right. Okay, you're pardoned. Um, so she appears on stage in, like, all these major productions. This is 1690 to 1694, and she's adored by the audiences. Um, she, she's, called, she's widely called La Maupin. She's like the legend. And there's, um, okay, so here's like what we have here now is like a series of legendary stories about her. <laughs> um, I will say the story about the nun in some of the articles I found, they put the, the love, that blonde hair lover, <laughs> they say, some of the stories say that they fell in love while Julie was at the opera, like while she was performing. But most of the articles that I felt like were more legit put it before this time mm. when she was touring around France. So I put it in the place that I thought it was best, but you will see conflicting shit about it. So there's this um, great story. At some point, this like pretty boy actor is talking shit to one of Julie's actress friends. And so Julie's like, dude, you gotta shut up and show this woman some respect. You cannot talk that way. And he's like, just fuck off. I don't give a shit. Mind your own business, bitch. Wow. And so later that night, he's walking home and La Maupin standing in the street with her sword out. <laughs> it's way better than, you know, standing out. And she, chal- she challenges him to a duel. He's like, you, she, you better fucking fight me in this a duel, you fucking asshole. How dare you? And the guy's like, oh, I don't want to pull my sword out. I don't want to duel. I don't want to duel. And so she beats him up with a wooden cane. <laughs> and she steals his pocket watch and some of the other shit. And she, like, leaves him, like, bleeding in the alley. And so the next day, this guy comes back to work at the opera. And he's got, like, black eyes. And he's all beat up. And people are like, oh, my gosh, what happened to you? And he's like, I don't know. Some guys jumped me. <laughs> <laughs> and La Maupin, like, pulls out the pocket watch. And she's like... I beat him up. Here's his pocket watch as evidence. <laughs> yes. And then, and then she's like, you know what you got to do now? You got to kneel down and you got to beg forgiveness in front of all these fucking people. Holy and he has to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ooh, my God. Yes. It might be like one of my favorite stories of things abroad has ever done. That's awesome. Is this pocket watch you story. You talk about me, Holy You ain't gonna talk shit. about me. Mm-mm. Okay, here's another story. One time, uh, apparently, a trio of drunk idiots were giving her shit while she was singing her songs in a tavern. So Julie takes, she's like, let's go to the alley. Let's go to the courtyard right now. And they all like try to fight her with their swords, but she draws her blade and three on one. She takes all three of them down. They all have multiple stab wounds and she goes back into the tavern and keeps drinking. (laughs) But then the next day she was like, I kind of feel bad about that one guy. I don't, there wasn't more details about like why, but I'm assuming he was the hot one. (laughs) (laughs) And so she like goes back to his, she like finds out what room he's in at the tavern. She goes back and she's like, hey, let me look at those wounds. I feel kind of bad. And she seduces him and they fuck for like three weeks straight. (laughs) Wow. I like that one. That is the best story I've ever heard. We're not done with her, but can you even like already she's 
inspiration. She's most known. She's mostly known, like when you Google her, for the nun story. The lacon that she like took her vows to go fuck an, a woman who is in the. Anyway, this but I think all these other one. stories are like just as interesting. So <laughs> I'm going through them. Um. So as a singer, though, as in in the opera, she sang both soprano, but she also sang contralto. She was kind of like the one of the first stars to sing in that like really low contralto range. And it kind of like blew the minds of everybody. Supposedly, she defended all the chorus girls against all the like rowdy dudes who were trying to get busy with them. She also apparently at some point, she got really obsessed with one of the other stars of the opera. There was this soprano named Fanchon Moreau. She also apparently tried to kill herself. She also threatened to blow the Duchess of Luxembourg's brains out. And she also had to go to court for attacking her landlord. (laughs) And one night on stage, one night on stage, because Tevinard, even though they're not lovers uh, still, apparently, but they're still, like, best friends, um, at one point they have, like, a horrible fight. And on stage that night, she bites his ear so hard he bleeds. Damn. She's intense. But they're still best friends. They make up, but they're still best friends. Uh-huh. Like, you know, you and there was it. one of the one of the articles said that at some point, like she had slept with or sword fought most of the men and women at the opera <laughs> during her opera career. Like most everybody had either fucked or fought her. Some of them both. That is a legacy. So here's her other like big famous story. So apparently the brother of Louis XIV, uh, Prince Felipe, she is invited as a guest to the royal ball at the palace of King Louis XIV. And she shows up dressed to the nines as a man in like a scarlet tunic. She's like this red, bright red tunic. And she starts dancing with all the women. <laughs> and all the, and she's like also like schooling everyone, every other hot dude that's at that party. She's like so much better than all of them and all of it. And there's this one specifically super hot young woman and she starts like dancing really intense. And then she fucking French kisses this woman in the middle of the dance floor in front of the entire royal family. (laughs) And these three, these three noblemen are like, fuck no! They're like, you gotta stop that shit. You gotta start acting like a lady and you gotta stop making out with chicks. (laughs) And, and Julie's like, should we take it outside? (laughs) And so, they go outside and she defeats all three men in consecutive duels. Uh. And then she comes back to the party while they're still like bleeding in the street. She like goes back into the party. That's her signature move right there. Mm-hmm. However, however, as you may or may not know, dueling at this point in time is illegal. It's it's outlawed. It's seen as a direct challenge to the royal authority. Disputes were supposed to be settled by law and not by duels at this point. Mm. She And she does this shit in front of everybody. Like, everybody at this huge ball in the king's palace. So... They're, so she's like, ooh, I gotta get out of town. Because <laughs> that wasn't good. Because now I'm in trouble again. Mm. And she gets another death. I think she is sentenced to death again, is what I believe. So the articles, like, stop talking about her death sentences. But she's sentenced to death again. <laughs> wow. um, and she goes over to Brussels. And she starts fucking a German prince there. The Elector of Bavaria. A German prince who oversaw the Netherlands. Is she, like, well-known there? Was she, like, 
popular internationally? I don't think so. I don't think that she really, to this point, had really left France. At least, at least in all the research articles that I found, it's possible like her reputation preceded her because she was like the Paris star. So if people were traveling to France, they might have gone back and like talked about her a bunch, I guess. But I don't think she herself had actually been. Don't uh, quote me on it if you find articles that say otherwise, though, because all I'm saying is I didn't read otherwise. Right. Seems strange to go to Germany and just immediately start fucking a prince. I mean, it also sounds like she was a very specific type that's, of person. It's true. Yeah. It's Walked true. around like a peacock. You go see me. Yeah. I got my pickings and I'm going to choose a prince. I'm going to go to fucking court. I'm going to go to, I'm going to do this shit. But Julie was like a little too intense for him. And at one point she's like performing and she stabs herself with a real dagger. And the prince is like, I, this is too much for me. Here's 40,000 francs. Can you please leave me alone? <laughs> And she, and she wow. takes the coin purse and she throws it at his balls and runs away. She does not take the money. She's very upset. Um, one of the, a few of the accounts said that she throws the coins at the feet of his emissary, that he wasn't the one who gave her the coins. But I like to think she threw them at his balls because that feels very la maupin to me. <laughs> I wish she yeah. threw it at his balls and then picked it up and left with it. That would be my <laughs> she don't need that. Be like, she don't need that bitch's money. So she leaves Brussels and she stomps off to Madrid and she's fucking pissy about it. But she gets a job working for this Countess Marino. And she's like the Countess's lady in waiting, I guess, or page, the equivalent of page, but for a woman. So she like helps her do her hair and get dressed and put her corsets on and all that shit, right? But apparently she fucking hates this Countess. So one night she's like doing the Countess's hair and she like puts radishes in the hairdo, in places that the Countess can't see. Because the Countess can only see, like, the front mirror. So she, like, hides a bunch of radishes in the back. Like, like the vegetable. Like vegetables. She puts the vegetables in her boss's hair and sends her off to this ball with radishes in her hair. <laughs> and, um... Wow. And apparently at that point, she, like, already had her bags packed and she, like, while the Countess is at the ball, she just leaves. She's like, fucking no. So she puts radishes in her hair and then she runs away again. <laughs> it's a great move. So she goes back to Paris. And um, I don't, again, the sources didn't say the details of this, but apparently she's pardoned again. So Louis pardons her again. Because remember, after the ball, she was in trouble again. So she is notoriously, not only did she enter a, a, a nunnery to fuck a nun and then burn the convent down, she also has been pardoned by Louis Fourteenth twice. <laughs> two death pardons so she goes back to to paris though she starts performing again she gets her job back and then in 1703 she falls in love with madame le marquise de florenzan i didn't say that right florence flor it looks like florence sac but i'm sure it's not pronounced that way in french (laughs) someone write in and tell me how to do it um but apparently this marquise was the quote most beautiful woman in france and she oh. was so beautiful that at some point she had to f- to like flee France and went to Brussels for a couple years because the young prince, the Dauphin, was obsessed with her. <laughs> she had to leave. So she was one of the most famous, wealthy, and well-connected women in France and the most beautiful woman in France. And Julie falls madly in love with her and she falls madly in love with Julie. And they live, according to most of the sources, like for two years, they're like, 
lovebirds live in the best life and it's all like golden that seems like the longest julie's ever been with anybody based on the rest of the sources so like it seemed like all was perfect and then i'm sad to say the marquise dies of a fever Mm. apparently and julie there's two versions of julie's ending that across the sources the first one which is more romantical <laughs> is that she was so distraught when the Marquise died that she entered a, a convent in 1705 and she kind of just like withered and died and she was only 33. Some some of the accounts say she was 37. <laughs> so 33 or 37, still under 40. One of her biographers, who obviously is one of the worst people that ever lived, said that she was, quote, destroyed by a an inclination to do evil in the sight of her God and a fixed intention not to. And then her body was, quote, cast upon the rubbish heap. Wow. What a horrific thing to say about somebody. Anyway. (laughs) Mm, I I feel like that's not the story I just heard. No, (laughs) it's not. I feel like obviously that bag is an asshole. Now there's... If it's to do evil. There's other versions... Just sticking up for herself. (laughs) There's other sources that say that as opposed to going to the convent and just dying and being sad, uh, that she goes back to her husband, who she's been married this whole time. She's been fucking married to that dude, that tax wow. collector guy, this <laughs> whole time. That's amazing. And so some accounts say that she went back to live with him and she was singing for the opera and then died in 1707 from unknown causes at the age of 37. So I don't, I don't know, question mark on a bunch of these timeline things. Sources are mixed and she's just so legendary that I think that all the stories just kind of like proliferated and blew up. And so it's hard to tell kind of what's, what's the what, but that is what I got. That's what I got, you guys. That's Julie Daubeny Lamoupin. Dang, Julie. (laughs) Dang. Wow. What a broad. That's so inspirational. I love it. Yeah. Radish. She's radical. Um, I saw like a little footnote, historically speaking, because I'm a nerd and think about such things. But there was um, an interesting one of the articles was talking about why Louis the Fourteenth pardoned her twice. <laughs> why did he pardon her twice? She obviously like was dueling all the time, which was illegal. And this article was talking about how. So I'll just read the quote actually from the article. So 17th century France was a unique time and place in history and one of the few places that allowed openly bisexual gender non-conforming people like Julie Daubeny to exist. Louis XIV was her patron partly in his ongoing efforts to undermine the political power of the church through the arts, opera being one of the battlegrounds in the war of artist patronage. He also couldn't take too strong a stance against being gay since his brother, the Duke of Orléans, was openly gay, effeminate, and a cross-dresser. So Julie was less a product of her time and more a woman who knew how to use the time she was born into to be the person she truly was, end quote. So I thought that was an interesting, that was super interesting that like Louis was trying to like screw over the church a little bit by supporting kind of these more like open liberal ideas and... And that his brother was gay and... Yeah. Definitely. I agree. I I didn't know that it was like that, you know? The, kind of the way it makes it... They always make it seem like the, the gay agenda, they're trying to pop out. Like it just started happening yesterday when it's actually been happening for thousands and thousands the and thousands of years. The of human history. Correct. Since we've been existing. Because like animals do it too, but whatever. Yeah. Guys, which of her crazy stories is your favorite? I mean, I'm a, I'm a I'm a fan of burning down convents, so 
it's like one of those things I do in my spare time. Yeah. Like, I'm really interested in convent burning. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, so Jupiter? That's a, that's a big one for me. I mean, yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty great. Pretty Although I know, I think I really like the ball because you're just like I'm gonna come in as me and I'm gonna leave as me. Even if I got to flee the country, I'm a half. I'm a, I'm a French a kiss a bitch on the middle of the floor in front of the royal family. Hell yes. Hell going, yes. What you gonna do? Not a damn what thing. What you gonna do? You gonna make. I love all the stories where she like beats the shit. I mean, that pocket watch story when she fucking humiliates that Yo. guy. And then when she like, oh my God, the the dudes, the drunk dudes that she's just schools. Mm-hmm. I just love yes. when the patriarchy gets destroyed. I just love it. Yeah, 100%. So that's tell everyone about her. I love being able to convince a man after you stabbed him a few times to sleep with you. Hell yeah. That's pretty cool, too. <laughs> this is a multidimensional type of relationship, baby. Yeah. Come I on. I love it. I was, and, and don't fuck, don't screw me over, because I will kill you. I will kill you. You know this. She, literally. Yeah. She was such Power. a good sword fighter that she was so much better than literally everyone she ever dueled. But she, like, let them live. She, like, didn't kill them. She just hurt them bad. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I dig it. Well, there, there she is. There's, there's the broad you should know. Thank you guys for listening every week. We love you. If you like the podcast, don't forget to send us a review. Send us a review. Write it. Write it in your platform of, of choice. Give us a great review. And five stars. We have a couple, like, one stars in there I noticed the other day because I think that we had Mulan haters. Cover for them. <laughs> Give us a five star. Um, check out the website, broadsyoushouldknow.com. Email broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. Suggest abroad on the website. We want to hear who you want to hear about. And that's all we got. We'll see you next week for another Broad You Should Know.